Hallelujah. Let's open it up with some prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for your word, Father God. Your word is life unto those who find them and held to all their flesh, Father. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, how you declared in your word in John 6, 63. It is a spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit in their life. I pray that you quicken, Lord God, the spirit of my brothers and sisters that are partaking today, Father. Quicken them, Father, cause them to hear after the spirit, Lord, see after the spirit, understand after the spirit, amen. It is written in your word, Father God, that in him was life, and the life was the light of man. That life, that Zoe, is our light, Father. It's our comprehension. It's our understanding, Father. It's our revelation, Father. And we need you, Father God, to understand, Father God, what you're revealing to us. I thank you, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, for what you have been revealing. And I thank you, Lord, right now, Father God, for all that you're doing and working in our lives, Father God, conforming us to Christ. Amen. I thank you for your Holy Ghost, amen, that leads us in this dance, if you will, glory to God. Lead us, O God, in Jesus' name. It is written, Father God, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I thank you, Lord God, right now for this opportunity, Lord, and I pray for those that will be listening and partaking, Father, in the future, that they would hear what your Spirit is saying, Father, and what you're, and what you're saying and what you're doing in our hearts and lives, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, today is uh, October, um, I'm sorry, April the 11th, and it's uh, 2019, and uh, hola, So uh, I want to talk today, um, you know, last week the word of the Lord came forth, and, and uh, was it last week? I don't even remember, I'm sorry. But uh, this, the, the point was, is that the scripture came out of Exodus 15:3. It says, the Lord Jehovah... I put you, well, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Name signifies the, his honor, his authority, and his character. So if you look at the word, the Lord is a man of war. Well, that word man is the word ish, okay? And it's spelled I-Y-S-H. Hello, Frederick. So ish is the definition of the word. It means um, um, man... A male, in contrast to a woman, a husband, a human being, person that is in contrast to God, a servant of mankind, champion, and a great man. And so, one of the things that God revealed to me is that <clears throat> in the world, the champions are always first to the cause in a race or in a contest, right? But in the kingdom of God, the champion, those that are champions, all right, are the ones that are first to the cause of what's right, according to the word of God. So... I wanted to discuss again a little bit more about Ish and what that's all about. And um, I'm reading from a book called The Genesis Man for a few minutes here. And if anybody's interested in a copy, if you'd like a copy of this, and uh, then please send me an email and I'll be glad to send it to you. And the email is createdisciples at gmail.com. And if you'll send me an email, I'll send you a copy of that book in a PDF format. And uh, yeah, I would encourage you to email me, you know, if you have any questions or any other, you know, thoughts or things you are, are, are wanting to understand about, etc. I've got tons of material that I could send you. And again, you know, everything that I've realized that everything that God is doing in my life is all about discipleship. And anytime the, the body of Christ hears the message on discipleship, well, they, they turn their ears pretty fast. 
And I've realized, too, is that the Babylonian system, they're only interested in, in ministers to help them uh, to help them with all the needs that they have, but they're never interested in raising up sons. In other words, you have uh, a shepherd ministry, appointment ministry, or a pastor ministry that's the government of the local house, and all they're interested in is, is ministers that will um, provide you know things that are needed in the body of Christ to the respect that I'm saying that to say that that the right way of God is the elder rule, and the elder rule, these are patriarchs, these are fathers that are father and sons and daughters, and their goal is, is to raise up sons of God, daughters of God, that are going to represent God in the earth. And there's a huge difference. So in other words, a minister is led by his gift, but a son is led by his love for Jesus Christ and his love for the Father. And he only wants to do what the Father's will is. He's not interested in his own will. He's not interested in his own doctrine. He's only interested in what the Father is revealing. And so, even so, that's the way it is. And that the minister, like I said, he's only, he ministers because he has a gift. He serves, in other words. Minister is always the Greek word, primarily diakonia, which means to serve, which is where we get the word deacon from. But it's the world and the Babylonian systems that, are, that have glorified that into some kind of uh, hierarchical that is higher than the people. And therefore you have what's called the Nicolaitans, those were the ones that were victorious over the people. Nike means Nicole or Nike is the word victory and then laity is the people. But the point that I'm trying to make is that there's a difference there. So let's talk a little bit about Ish right now. Um, I'm going to read this from the, like I said, Genesis man. It says, in this chapter we will turn from studying mankind in general to studying the male in particular, what makes him distinct from the female and every other living creature. Satan is always trying to remove distinction. He is always trying to bring mixture. God, on the other hand, hates mixture and has provided the word to bring distinction and to cause division. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than it to his sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word does not make a physical division, for example, between the soul and spirit of a man. The soul and the spirit of a man will be connected throughout eternity. Instead, the sharp sword of the word brings division in our understanding. It makes a clear distinction in the mind of the disciple between his soul and the spirit. This separation is vital to the Christian if he is going to come into maturity in the things of God. The word of God is the only weapon sharp enough to bring this clarity. The lines between male and female have never been as blurred as they are today. Can I get a witness on that one? Amen. And so the men and women of today have grown up confused about their purpose in the earth. In the beginning, the lines were clear. You were either male or who was masculine or you're female that was feminine. Today, we have feminine males dressed in women's attire, acting out female roles, and masculine females dressed in men's clothes trying to fulfill the male role. As stated in the previous chapter, we must return to our origin. That's the only way we're going to get to understand what what our purpose is and what our part is in the, in the world and the kingdom of God. When I say world, I mean in the world, live in the kingdom of God. And what I mean is that you can't ever understand the purpose of a product until you go, go back to the origin. So where is man's origin? Is it a monkey? Did we come out of amoeba or slime or something like that? No. This is what the educational systems teach our sons and daughters today is that we came from some species of, of, a, of a monkey or something or an ape. And here's the thing is that, you know, how could I ever ask an ape, why did you make me? 
You know, what is my purpose? We didn't come from that, man. We came from God. Do you understand that? So what I'm saying is, is that our purpose is in God, and that's how we understand your purpose. When you get born again, Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again or you won't get to see the kingdom of God. The, to see is to comprehend, to understand. To see is what, to know what is yours in Christ. Okay? And then, after you're born again, this is, Jesus said that you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. You cannot enter. Enter means you're walking and living in those principles. They're part of your life. Okay? So, the the the... So what I'm saying to you is that you've got to be in Christ before you can see any of this. That's the, that's the prerequisite. So you must be born again or you won't even get to see the kingdom of God. And you must be born of the water and of the spirit. You cannot enter. Okay? I remember when I got born again, I was asking the man of God, I said, Do, am I going to have to stop drinking? He goes, well, yeah, Joe. <laughs> am I going to have to stop smoking? He says, well, yeah. He got, I said, am I going to have to, you know, I was going and listing all these things about what I thought I was going to be losing, right? And I didn't realize I was going to be gaining a father, amen. Glory to God. The scripture says, if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up, glory to God. I know thousands and thousands of us, we didn't have the right father and system, we didn't have the right mothers, amen. And they were primarily involved in their own lives trying to make a living, trying to make enough to feed the kids, you know, to clothe the kids, to educate them, educate them and train them as best they could. And uh, I was I was a product of that. I remember growing up waiting on my dad. You know, we needed that. We needed that from our fathers, but we never got that significance from him until I was older. But that was until I came to the Lord. But the point is, is that, you know, as sons and, and, and husbands and wives, we, we have these children and we don't even know how to raise them. We don't even know how to begin to correct them and help them understand the ways of God. You know, I tell my sons all the time, I said, it's not the right season for you guys to have a girlfriend. They're 13 and 12 years old and they don't even consider those things. Now, is that a testimony to me or is that a testimony to the Spirit of God in me? Glory to God. It's a testimony to God. Amen. And it's... And it's those teachings and principles that are in their lives that are creating this foundation, that are basis for their foundation in their lives. And they don't have any struggle with that. They don't have worries that they're missing out on something. I tell them, respect authority, respect your father and mother, right? And, and, and do the schoolwork that's been given to you. And praise God, they're doing a great job at that. Amen. So, anyway, like I said, the lines between male and female have never been as blurred as they are today. I stated in the previous chapter to this book that I'm reading, I'm in chapter 2 right now, we must return to our origin. As children of God, we will never find our purpose outside of His design as it was at our creation. We must find ourselves in Him. Again, we will find the nature and the name. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man the Hebrew word the Hebrew words that are translated as man and woman in Genesis 2.23 are ish and isha respectively perhaps in a few no no I'm sorry um, Adam reveals the origin of man and ish reveals the nature of man in studying ish and isha we can understand the, difference, the differences that God created between the nature the natures of male, a man, and the woman. Okay? 
The Hebrew word ish as man as an individual or a male person. It is also translated as husband, steward, great, mighty, worthy, high degree, and a champion. These words comprise the DNA of the gender. They go beyond the physiological differences that determine a baby's sex. They are the characteristics that make up a human being make a human being a man. They reveal the nature of man. Ish is the nature of man. Okay, so question, what do you mean when we speak of someone or something's nature? It is that which comes naturally. It is the way that we would act in a given situation without thinking if we had not been tampered with. Alright? Have you ever seen an animal in the zoo pacing back and forth in its cage? Pacing is not the nature, the natural animal's behavior, but the zookeeper has manipulated its environment to the point that the nature has been changed. Does that, does that, I mean, has anybody ever witnessed that? These animals are just pacing back and forth in the zoo. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's sad because that's not their normal habitat, and yet we've taken them out of their habitat and put them in a place that never was designed for them. Human beings are no different. Fathers, mothers, teachers, coaches, pastors, and friends can all temper with the man's temperament. His nature can be altered. A feminine man probably never consciously chose that behavior, and God didn't create him that way. Somewhere, his nature has been tampered with by the enemy through someone in his life. Okay? That may be an extreme example, but we all have had our nature tampered with to some extent. We must go back to our, to our beginning and recapture our true nature by understanding Ish. By finding Ish, we can get back to the natural flow of man. We must remember that God created man to respond, react, behave, and conduct himself in a certain way, so that the purpose of man would not be lost. So can we agree that, that, that again, mankind and his purpose is, is all blurred right now? They don't understand how to find their purpose. They don't understand how to seek after God. They're not getting trained in the body of Christ today to to understand what their purpose is. Most of us are only exposed, if you will, to the shepherd ministry or the pastor ministry. We haven't encountered apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers, right? And, and therefore, we're not going to come into maturity as, as sons of God in that respect, in what our call, callings are, and so on, and so our selections and elections. Um, so, you know, should we be alarmed at the deterioration, the t deterioration of this nation? In other words, the the lines that have been blurred, the lines that are blurred between male and female. When homosexuality was legalized in the United States, it was never approved by God, regardless of what Congress believes. This is legalized immorality, and what can say that it that and a man can say that it is his right to be married to another man or sleep with another man. But is that natural? I talk about this all the time. You know, you, you're never going to see two male birds, for example, a cardinal, for example, pair up. As a matter of fact, when it's mating season and when he has his little lady and he, they have their little nest and they have their little babies, that male, boy, he gets violent when another male shows up because he's doing the natural course of what God designed him to be. You know, all these animals and all these creatures and everything came from order. Even mankind came from order. It's mankind that has slipped back and lost his foundation and his purpose in God, and therefore he, he, he gets involved in all these perversions. And, of course, when you speak out against it, he's saying that you're speaking out, you're speaking out against his right. Well, that's true. I'm telling you that what you're, what you're saying is right is actually wrong. 
there's no distinction, right? Take a look at that. Take a look at scripture in Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. And I read this last week, and, and it's really been a, a solid, solid word, amen. I mean, it just clearly defines, you know, how we're not getting trained properly and so on. And I want to read this in the message translation. It says, My people are wrong because they don't know what is right or true. And we're talking about the body of Christ here, not to mention the world. <clears throat> There's so much confusion out there. There's so, much, so many doctrines that are not of God, so many understandings and belief systems that we have that are all out of order. You know, a man's confession, what's coming out of your mouth, is the result of your thinking. A man's thinking is a result of his knowledge. A man's knowledge is a result of his belief. And a man's belief, wait a minute, I got that backwards. A man's, let me do this again. A man's confession is a result of his belief. A man's belief is a result of his knowledge. A man's knowledge is a result of his source. And there's only two sources. It's either God or the devil. Okay? So, yeah, naturally, we're not going to know what's right or true if, we're, if we're, our input and what we're getting in our lives is, is from the world and its perversions. And even still, you know, if you're ministering from your soul, you know, uh... And, and not being inspired by God in your spirit, man, then you're, you're likely, as, as, as you're going to see here, well, let me just read it. Because you've turned your back on knowledge, I've turned my back on you, priests. Because you refuse to recognize the revelation of God, I'm no longer recognizing your children. In other, in other words, everything that you're producing outside of my kingdom and outside of what I ordained and what I set up from the very beginning, it's not going anywhere. It's all dead works, in other words. Oh, so like I said, a man can say that it's okay to be married to another man or a woman, same thing. And like I said, what's funny is that the animal kingdom teaches us order, and we don't even want to pay attention to that. <laughs> and yet we're the higher order of creation. We must call evil good and good evil. Once God's standard of good and evil has been removed, there is no stopping the disintegration of morality. Every man is then allowed to do whatever seems right in his own eyes. Each year the standard of decency is lowered and depravity increases. Eventually you will see laws passed legalizing bestiality and all other forms of perversions you can think of. Someone will proclaim it as their right. There will actually be, you know, areas where they're going to allow all these things. Even without it, the Bible, society should be able to determine from nature that this is wrong. Actually, in accordance with nature, bestiality is no more or less wrong than homosexuality. Both sins violate natural order established by God. If you want to understand the nature of an animal, could you really know it by studying its behavior in a zoo? No. There's no doubt you couldn't. The artificial environment of a zoo has altered the animal's nature. To understand the true nature of a lion, you must study its behavior in its natural habitat. And it's the same thing with mankind. Can we truly understand, you know, our, our behavior and the way we're conducting our lives outside of the Word of God? You know, the Scripture says in Jeremiah, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Ah, the Lord, I search the heart and I try the reins. In other words, only God can give us distinction of what life we're living in. Are we living after ourselves or are we living after God? Man. Um... 
We certainly can't determine our God-ordained nature by observing other men in our society. We certainly can't. Okay? For we dare not make ourselves of the number. This is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. The Bible reveals the original untoppered nature of man preserved in the revelation of Ish. Once the changes of the enemy have been made in the male's natural habitat, and the male in the male's natural habitat has has been removed from his life fathers. Let me read that again. One of the changes that the enemy has made in the male's natural habitat has been the removal of fathers from the family. Most little boys grow up without the help of a father, and I'm saying I did. Okay, but thank God, like I said, if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. The father gives a boy his signet and his identity. In some cases, the father isn't present in the home. In other homes, although the father is physically present, present he is either too busy to train his sons or his, or his nature has been so altered that the temperament that he re reproduces is not true to God's pattern of Ish. Without the Word of God, we have no hope of restoring our true nature. Hmm. Well, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And again, you know, it goes on talking about effeminate boys and, and how, you know, things are all altered and, and confused out there. And what's sad about that is that we don't even have the distinction that there's a problem in the world, for sure. Much less the body of Christ. There's so many, so many out there in the carnal side that allow, that are, that think these things are natural, and, and it's not natural. You know, one of the things about the Apostle Paul, First Corinthians chapter two. Man, I love this chapter, man. Well, I love the word. Praise God. You know, Jesus said in John chapter ten. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. You know, we wonder why the body of Christ does not trust the leadership that is being exposed to them in this world. All these situations are set up, you know, to, to take from the people. And, uh, and, and they know that. You know, look at all these ministers and stuff out there that have built these big ministries, man. And, and, and they're involved and, in, in, you know, a lot of them are, are getting exposed, you know, and God is not... I mean, they're just getting exposed, and, you know, it's re really quite revealing. You know what? That reminds me of another scripture that I want to read before I read that one, 1 Corinthians. This is uh, Luke chapter, let's see, I think it's 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. Yeah. Verse 1. In the meantime, when they were gathered together, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, what are the first things, apostolic, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is a hypocrisy. And this word, innumerable multitude, okay, it's the word morias, M U R I A S, and it means 10,000. And it means a lot of people. Can you imagine? They were getting ready to minister to all these people. And uh, and so, again, 10,000 of them. And before he got ready to turn around and minister to these people, he said unto his disciples, first of all, 
beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What is the leaven of the Pharisees, right? Well, it's that it's that it's those teachings and, and belief systems that that uh, that are all about me. In other words, how I can uh, progress and how I can be successful, and it's how to market and how to brand my name and all these things. You know, that come into the body of Christ, and the body of Christ doesn't have distinct doesn't have the distinction to understand that. You know, all this has to be measured with discipline. The bottom line is, if there's not discipline in your life, well, what makes you think that God is going to trust you with, with the finances if you can't even manage your own life in finances, for example? You see? And so the leaven of the Pharisees is all that, you know, what they were going to do is figure out, like I said, Pharisees, they were always interested in figuring out how they can market against the people, how they can push them their products, how they can sell them all these things. You know, and Jesus was highly, highly upset with all that stuff. As a matter of fact, he flipped the money changers' tables over. Remember, and he told them that you made uh, you made the house of God, you know, the, the tabernacle, uh, a house of emporium. You know, a house where a place where you can just sell and buy and sell all your goods. It's not the right place for all that stuff, man. So anyway, so let, let me go back to First Corinthians 12. I mean, chapter two. Uh, verse 11 For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God now we have not received the spirit of the world you see right there but we have received but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak not in the Logos which man's wisdom teacheth but which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing pneumatical spiritual with spiritual but the natural man, verse 14, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who had known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So the point there that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Well, that's where the body of Christ is, right? A lot of them are. Is that they're, they're all looking at this from a carnal perspective. And how can I gain, how can I promote myself, and how can I exalt myself? And and not realizing that, like I said, there must be discipline in all these things. And uh, we must put set the right order up. In other words, Jesus Christ must be Lord of all. Amen? Hmm. Wow. Alright, let me see if I can uh, transition this. So, like I said, all that is talking a little bit about Ish and... Uh, and what, what the nature of Ish is and uh, how it's all perverted and twisted up by the enemy and by the world. And we can't even make a distinction what is a man anymore because, like I said, the lines have all been blurred. And God hates that. He hates mixture. So, uh, that was, like I said, if you're interested in that outline, it's available. Uh, that's on The Lord is a Man of War, Exodus 15.3. And uh, that's, that's a powerful word. I love it because... You know, even, even, well, the word of the Lord that came from Marshall for that same week was right on the lines of uh, talking about um, warfare, you know, the weapons of our warfare and our carnal from Second chapter 10. And I just thought that was so precious. And I love it how God brings that word and then he confirms his word and just, you know, just so encouraging all the time. And it's just such a blessing to know that we're following after God and and we're seeking His will. Amen? Alright, so let's go ahead and get into the outline. Let me post the outline up for you.
I'm going to try to finish the one I've been trying to finish now for so long. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Alright, so there's the outline. And we're going to start with... Um, I think she was on principle. I mean, we were on principle number two last time. I don't remember, man. It's been so long, it seems like. But we're going to start with uh, Roman number, number two. So, too often... People pray before they're ready. They pray at the point of pressure and not faith. Then they do not receive. Preparation was a key. You know, part of these things of understanding what we're supposed to be in the kingdom of God and what we are as sons and daughters of God is that as God matures us and brings us to that place of maturity, then He wants to use us, to utilize us. And I stated many times before that you're not going to get, you're not going to work spirituals. You're not going to be at a place where you can minister and release the life of God, the presence of God, without holiness. The scripture says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And I believe that, you know. And um, so, without holiness, no man's going to see God. So again, you know, again, God wants to restore you, obviously. And then after, the scripture says, as he told Peter, after you've been strengthened, strengthen your brother. I tell people all the time, young kids, my sons, people, members of Body Christ that I fellowship with and communicate with all the time, is that the reason God wants us strong is so that we can help others, right? And, uh, and that's important because there's so many out there that are so lost and so confused and they don't understand the way of God and they don't want to, you know, you know, spending time with God and building a relationship with your Father it takes time, you know. It's not something that you're going to be able to turn off one week and turn off another week. You have to maintain sanctification. It's got to be a part of your life. Amen? Because we want to be ready, amen, at all times. So, like I said, too often people pray before they're ready. They pray at the point of pressure and not faith. Then they do not receive. So, in other words, you have to believe in God's Word before you believe for God's Word. You need a word from God. You need to hear from God. Well, if God brings you that word, on now you need to maintain that. So, Mark eleven twenty three. Let's look at that one. Mark eleven twenty three. This should be well. I say it should be. I don't know. I mean, it is to me pretty familiar. You know, I had a brother, was it today? Yeah, I think we are talking about prayer. You know, he says, how do you pray? And I said, well, just, you know, I just, uh, if I'm reading the scriptures and, and all of a sudden God quicks me the word, well, I'll start meditating on that word, you know, and, and, I, and I'll pray that scripture, you know. And, and like I said, these are things that they've got to get in our hearts. And once it gets in your heart, it's going to start coming out, you see. And, of course, it must be quickened by your spirit. That's what faith toward God is all about, right? the word coming out of your mouth and not through a mental right not through the um, the mental ascent it's got to come it's got to be inspired by your spirit man as the Holy Ghost breathes on your spirit for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he says Amen. The first work of confession is building faith in your heart. When you see these scriptures, when you go over these scriptures, and again, talking about prayer, you know, I start, I say, when I see something, I say, Father, I believe that. I believe that scripture. Amen. 
Because I don't know at what given point in my life I'm going to need that word, amen? And if I start believing it, then, believing in it, then when it comes time and I need to believe for it, Lord of God, that word will be there, man, in my heart and in my spirit. Matthew 9, 21. You know, Matthew 9, 21. For she said within herself, she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall behold. You think she said that only one time? I guarantee you, if I can just get to him, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I've got to get through, man. There was determination there, right? She was saying to herself, she kept saying to herself, it says in the Amplified. Let's look at that. <laughs> For she kept saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I shall be restored to health. This thing about faith toward God is something that's got to be in your heart and in your mouth that is the word of faith which you preach. It must be a constant, constant coming forth out of your mouth and out of your heart, out of your spirit. Oh, man. It's not just a one-time thing and then I move on. This is a lifestyle, man. And the other part of this is that, like I said, I start meditating on these scriptures. I fix my mind on it, and I start wondering about it, thinking about it. I go and I look it up, and, and I start looking at the Greek words surrounding that word, if I may but touch. And I just start looking at all these words, and, and as the Holy Ghost breathes on it, then I bring him to put breath to that word. And I let that word come out of my mouth, and I tell the Father, I believe that, man. So Mark 4.24, listen to this. This is really, really highly enlightened. Highly enlightening. And look at this in the Amplified. Mark 4.24 And he said to them, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtual knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. Isn't that wonderful? The more you measure thought and study you give to God's Word and time with the Lord, the more is going to be given back to you. You're going to hear more. You're going to see more. And by the way, without the Word of God, you can't see in the Spirit. The more Word that you have, the more you can see clearly what is of God, what is not of God. You can see the Spirit, and you can see the soul. You can see the carnal man, you can see the spiritual man. One's coming out of Spirit, one's coming out of his soul. It's so clear, glory to God. But it takes time, amen, meditating God's Word and being with God and spending time with the Lord. It was virtue that went out of Jesus. It was such a measure that brought immediate deliverance. Somebody, he knew that that virtue had flowed him. Somebody tapped that power of God. Amen. Ephesians 5.14. Take a look at that. Oh, Ephesians 5.14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Amen. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, if, if we can't understand right now that there's such an urgency in God of, of us drawing closer to God, you know, to a place to where God wants us to be a unit that He can org that is organized and that is all speaking the same thing. And that when we go to prayer and we go to meet the needs of the people and the world, we're moving with such a force and such a power, man, that, that it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And who's getting all the glory? 
Is it me? No. My desire is for God to get all the glory. Amen. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things, amen, unto God. It is your choice. You can meditate the answer or worry over the problem. Man, you know there's a scripture that says, It is vain for us to rise up early and to set up late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. You know, I can go to sleep and I don't have any problem. I don't care what's going on around me. And uh, people were bothered by that. How in the world could somebody be so confident? Well, it's because you're trusting God. It's your faith toward God. Amen. You've been spending time with God. You've been meditating the Word. You've been praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. There are seven objective, objectives of meditating God's Word. Apply the Word to you personally. Ask the Holy Spirit to make the Word the word a reality to your heart. Carefully ponder how this word will apply to your life. Dwell on how this word changes your situation. Place yourself in agreement with, God, with what God's word says about you. See yourself as God sees you. Begin to realize the integrity of God's word. Take a look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians. Well, it's a scripture that says all the promises of God are yea and amen in him. The point is, the scripture says that all the promises of God are yea and amen in him. Amen. All the promises of God. Everything we need is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And um, and the thing is, is that, um, you know, like I said, you know, we, we, we lose sight of that. You know, when we're trying to fix the problem and do everything on our own, we have to understand that everything that we have and all that we that's been provided for us is already in Christ Jesus. Amen. And, it, you know, Psalms 1-3 in the Amplified and ye sh he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. You know why everything comes prospers and comes to maturity? Because that man or woman of God is hearing after the Spirit. Amen. And they're waiting on the way of God. They're waiting on the confirming word. They're listening. They want to hear from God. They have an expectation in their heart. They're sensitive to the Spirit of God. And they expect God to move because he says he will. Amen? Man, we don't have to fuss and worry, man. God is faithful. Alright, uh, Joshua 1.8, that should be a pretty uh, mainstay scripture in our lives, but I want to go to it. You know, one of the things about Joshua, he was a general, man. Golly, man, that guy knew how to command the army of the Lord, amen? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Again, how? Because you're hearing it in your spirit, man. Glory to God. As Jesus said, it is a spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words, the rhemas that I'm speaking to you, they are spirit in their life. You understand that there's a there's one of the Greek words is one of the Greek words is rhema, and it means the spoken word. The other one is the word logos, and it means the written word. So the written word becomes the spoken word, and he he does that in our spirit, man. Amen. But again, 
If you want to stay sensitive to God, then you must maintain sanctification before the Lord. Don't feed yourself all the perversion of the world. Amen. Don't sit there and let that TV start programming you with all this perversion and all that filth. The radio, what we're listening to, you know, the music, the type of music that we're listening to, all this carnal music, right? I'm telling you something. You don't think that it's impacting your life. Well, the scripture says about um, a lot. It says that in Peter, in seeing and hearing and vexed his righteous soul. That stuff impacts our lives, man. There's somebody behind all that. His name is Satan and all these devils, the prince of the power of the air. And they're ministering all that trash. And people are picking it up and, 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 and getting involved. And they don't even realize that their soul is getting un, unsanctified before the Lord. Man. Hmm. Hmm. So number three, principle says, She said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She established a point of contact to release her faith and receive from God. Faith demands action to be released. A point of contact gave her a conductor through which the power of God could flow. Glory to God. And praise God, that reminds me of the word of the Lord that came forth a few weeks ago about in John 16, 13. And when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, when He makes Himself manifest, when He comes, He's not coming just to say hello and sit down next to you and say, what's going on, how's the weather? He's coming for a purpose. He's got something to say. He's got something to do. Glory to God. And it's all to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen. So it says, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Right? And that word guide, one of the words for that word, the definition is conductor. And a conductor, glory to God, is one that's making sure you're going to get to your destination. Amen. And glory to God, the Holy Ghost is there involved in our lives. He guides us. Amen. He shows us the way, and I like some of these definitions on, that I, that, I, that the Lord showed me here. Look at this one, beautiful. A conductor is a person who stands in front of an orchestra or choir and directs its performance. On a bus, the conductor is the person whose job is to sell the tickets to the passengers. On a train, a conductor is a person whose job is to travel on the train in order to help the passengers check and check tickets. It, Conductor is a substance that heat or electricity can pass through or along. And then it says, see also, lightning conductor and semiconductor. Amen. A, a, a path to travel. And that lady touched Jesus Christ, glory to God. There was a release of that life of God that went and ministered to her in her body, glory to God, and she received from God. Amen. It is the wire from the power plant to the light that brings the power to you. Her point of contact got her attention off her problem on to the answer, amen. She focused on the precious. She didn't focus on the vile and everything that was going on in her life, amen. Praise God. Hebrews 12, chapter 2. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, amen. You see that? Her focus was on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of her faith, who for the joy set before her, she and well, let me let me back up. Who, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, she she didn't consider anything else that was going on around her, man. She just knew she had to get to Jesus Christ, Amen. And she despised all the shame. She, regardless of her condition, everybody knew her. They knew her condition. She's got a problem. She's got issues with blood. Oh man, can you imagine? People avoiding her. People sidestepping her. Ooh, I don't want to touch you. You're unclean. Man, she despised all that. Amen? 
she thought little of all that. This helped her have a strong expectation, amen. Her point of contact set the time for the releasing of her faith. Now faith is in Hebrews 11.1. 1. This will bring your faith to, into the now at the time of releasing. A point of contact established for you a specific point of reference. If the answer does not come immediately, finances, for example, or Satan tries to steal it. Examples of a point of contact. David used his slingshot, released his faith, and killed Goliath. Moses released his faith as he raised the rod, and the Red Sea rolled back. Elijah used his mantle to part the waters. The Roman centurion used the spoken word of Jesus for the healing of his servant. Jairus used Jesus' hand as a point of contact to get his daughter raised from the dead. Paul sent out handkerchiefs and aprons, special miracles, amen. Some used Peter's shadows. Jesus said we could use the hands to bring healing. Jesus said we could... Use prayer to receive. Mark 16, 18 and Mark 11, 24. She came in the press behind and touched his clothes. If your believing is not to the point of action, then all is dead faith. James 2, 17. Even so, faith, if, faith, if, 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 if it hath not works, is dead being alone. You better have a sense of expectation in your heart, amen, of what you're believing and trusting God for. James 2.26 For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. There better be a believing in your part and reaching out towards God to trust and believe what you need. Your action of faith may need to continue over a period of time, such as in an area of finances or lost loved one's salvation. Hebrews chapter 10.35-36 Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, who pominate, constancy, that after that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Patience here is the word who pominate. There's two words for who pominate. Macrothemia, which is the fruit of the Spirit, which means long-suffering. And then who pominate, which means constancy. Constant, constant, constant. You never vacillate, you never change what's coming out of your mouth, regardless of the situation. Hebrews chapter 3, 7 and 4, 3. Mm. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear His voice, hear His voice, amen. If you, and, and so look at 4, 3. <laughs> For we which have believed do enter into rest, as He said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, also, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, we have to enter into rest. We have to believe what he's spoken in his word. Amen. And and not harden our hearts. Amen. Like as it says in verse 8 and 3, 8, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. We've got to stay faithful and firm in our trust and faith towards God. Amen. They refuse to mix faith in the word preached by acting on it, and it kept them from receiving what was already provided. If she had never acted on what he was saying, she was saying, she never would have been healed. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Fear runs in the presence of faith. Fear runs in the presence of faith's bold testimony. Satan is going to try to steal what you have received. He's the thief. He's going to take your healing. He's going to take your finance. He's going to take what's not his. What is yours in Jesus Christ, Satan is going to come to try to steal that. 
every time. Here's where most people miss it. Not only do I receive by faith, but I maintain what I have by faith. you got to maintain it. You don't think he's just going to walk away from you and, uh, I guess I can't, I can't challenge him anymore. He's, he's too... He's too consistent with the word, and what, what am I going to do? He's, he's, he's got me defeated. <laughs> Not only uh, resist symptoms like you do, Satan. In other words, resist the devil, amen. Psalm 107, 2. Psalm 107, 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen. Let that word, and everything that God has done for in your life, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. From the hand, Those that have been redeemed from the hand of the Lord, man, declare it. Amen. Let it come forth. Meditate this word. Stay on this word, man. Don't vacillate from this word. Amen. Oh, man. All right. Let me see here. I'm hoping that we can get into this next outline. Because I want to kick this off. I want to. I'm trying. I want to finish this. What I want to do. So let's go into now. We're going to go into the next outline for a few minutes here. We got about nine minutes, and this is outline number 44. Let me post this for you because it's along the same lines. So we, I don't think we're going to miss too much here as far as as uh, moving to the next outline. Alright, so there's the next outline, and let me pull it up over here. So, man, Psalms 103, 1 through 4, amen. Let's go on that real quick. This is not a very long outline, so I'm hoping we can get it covered pretty fast. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Amen. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Amen. I believe that. Do you believe that? He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Lord, I believe you. Um... 3 John 2, 11, seventeen. Let's look at that real quick. You know, again, you've got to maintain constancy on this word. If you're sitting there walking in double-mindedness, and uh, then you're missing some major, major blessings from God, man. And again, not blessings so that you can rejoice in yourself, and now I've got it, and I don't need it again, etc., etc. But uh, <laughs> this should develop a constant trust in our hearts, amen. But he knowing their thoughts said unto them, this is Luke 11, 17, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself falleth. You see? If you're divided in your own heart against yourself, why would the scripture admonish us, as, as David says, Unite my heart to fear thy name, if his heart wasn't divided? So, on the one side he's got the enemy over here, on the one side he's got God. I know, I love you God, and I believe you, but... What about all this? <laughs> you see? Jesus bore our sicknesses and diseases at the same time he bore our sins. There was one instance in the scripture where 
they were they were seeing what is he going to do about this situation, and he went ahead and healed this individual. And then he told them, what's easier to say, man? Be healed or be forgiven. It's the same thing, glory to God. Oh, my God. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, glory to God. Matthew 8. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word, with his logos, and healed all that were sick. Heal is the word therapuo, therapy, man. He serviced them. He helped them. That it might be filled, which was spoken up by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Glory to God. Man, look at that. That's so precious. Amen. Now, of course, Isaiah 53. I don't... Uh, I'm going to go to it, but I don't want to read it all, okay, because uh, Isaiah 53, we're going to start with um, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. And he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with the stripes we are healed. And as it says, And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on in him the iniquity of us all. So you see, if you go read that in, in other translations like Amplified and Message, well, it's just highly enlightening and revealing. First Peter 2.24, that's where, that's where that scripture is quoted from. When they read First Peter 2.24, it comes from Isaiah 53. And it just says, And we like sheep have gone astray. And better now return unto the shepherd and bishop of our souls. That's a twofold work of an elder, shepherd, and bishop. Amen. He leads, he guides, he feeds, he maintains, and then he bishops the soul. By the way, talking about earlier about Ish, there's a reason why God put male as the elder and uh, not the female. There's a reason why he put him first in the family and not the female. It's because women do not like to confront. And the man has the, the ability to see insight okay so they can have oversight of the situation going on in the body of Christ when their souls are out of control we have that by God by the grace of God as elder rule and I'm not saying I'm an elder I'm saying that's the principle and that's why God gives the man insight and the vision to be able to see forward the woman sees 180 but the male he's got his eyes forward all the time and he's able to see that soul when it gets out of line so anyway that's just a side note there we are not required to choose between our spirit and our body. Jesus provided for both. Jesus became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He was made sick with our diseases that we might be made whole. Matthew 8.17 and Galatians 3.13 It is as much God's will that we be well as it is for us to be saved. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. John 6.38 Redemption is God's will. The commission's have never been withdrawn. Acts 10.38. Let's look at that one. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God is with him. Mm. Went about doing good, servicing, helping, providing therapy, ministering life, 
health, education, educating them, training them. Amen. The 12, Matthew 10, 1 and 8. Matthew 10, 1 and 8. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Amen? What does that say? Is if you're charging for the gospel, man, you're out of order. Praise God. <laughs> Whew. The 70, return with joy, Luke chapter 10. The assembly, Mark 16, 15 through 20. That's a good one, praise God. They're all good, man. Amen. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Praise God. Oh, man. Jesus healed everything and all, proving God's will. Mark 4, 23 through 25. Man, so many scriptures, boy. Can I read all these? Let's look at them. Mark 4, 23. The same word, amen. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. And he said, take heed what you hear. I read that earlier. Whatever measure you're given is what's going to be, whatever measure you're given to what you're hearing is what's going to be given back to you. And to you that hear shall more be given. Mark 9.35 And he sat down and called the twelve and said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all the servant, and the last of all and servant of all. So if you want to be first, you're going to be last. Amen. Because the one who serves is the greatest one of all. In other words, you understand that you're serving your Father, amen, and He turns around and gives you back to the people to be utilized, amen, as a sanctified vessel. Hmm. 8 o'clock, Matthew 12, 15, Matthew 12, 15. But when Jesus knew it, He withdrew Himself from thence, and great multitudes followed Him, and He healed them all, Lord of God. Again, the word heal, therapeo, therapy, man. He gave them therapy, he ministered to them, he loved them. Oh, man. Matthew 14, 14. And Jesus went forth and saw the great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Amen. He healed them all, glory to God. That's the whole point of this. All the promises of God are yea and amen. There it is. 2 Corinthians 1, 18 and 20. All right. I love this scripture, man. 2 Corinthians 1, 18. I thought it was 20. But as God is true, our, our word toward you was not yea and nay. 
For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, and was not yea in nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. Unto the glory of God by us, all the promises of God, amen, are in Jesus Christ for us, amen. And in the Amplified, that, that verse right there reads this way, As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what He says, our speech and message to you have not been yes, that it might mean no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ the Messiah, who has been preached among you by us, by myself, Savanius, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him it was always the divine yes. For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes, their answer in Him, Christ, for this reason, we also order amen, so be it to God through him, in his person, and by his agency, to the glory of God. When we see the promise, we believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to minister and share your word, Father God. I thank you that your word is life unto those who find them and help to all their flesh, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple glory of God. I love you, Father God, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my heart, Father. And I pray that this word has ministered grace to all those that are listening, Father. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.